Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. Our email is afternoon at newstalk.com or you can follow us on Twitter. And just to remind you, this day week, We'll be in Kilkenny City for the next stop on our Movies and Booze tour. We'll be broadcasting from the New Park Hotel with the usual mix of music, a uh, bit of, uh, of yakking, uh, some Movies and Booze, all with thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers. If you'd like to be there this day week, you can register for tickets. Go to newstalk.com forward slash events where you'll get uh, all the details. Obviously, you have to be 18 uh, uh, to, to come along to that. Yes, our p- panel today, Fanula Jones, Linda Coogan, Olivia Fahey, good afternoon to you all. Hi guys. And so the, the, I suppose the first thing to say, uh, um, Olivia, about Killers of the Flower Moon, isn't that two films? Uh, um, <laughs> two, three, <laughs> 17, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot in one film. Yeah, it is a lot. Is it too long? Yes. Are they all too long? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Let's just see keep the thing is, like you know the way like with the with the kind of Marvely movies, do you know where they're too long? Because there's this forty five minute sequence at the end where we're all bashing the tar out of each other. Is there a bit in in this film where you go, you can just lop that out and you haven't missed anything? Uh, there is one scene in particular that I think is even less than ten seconds long that doesn't actually benefit the plot at all and is still included in the final edit. And I'm like. That could have been 10 seconds I could have gotten back from my life. (laughs) Uh, But somebody should set up a website where, you know, you can kind of go. There is a website where if you go to see a film bits where you can go to the toilet because you're not going to miss any major plot points. Oh, now I will say I was very proud of myself that apparently I picked the optimum point to go to the bathroom (laughs) in because when I came back, my husband just went, you've missed absolutely nothing. He was like, literally, it's just all been just like scenery. I was like, brilliant. Okay, fair enough. Uh, That's good. (laughs) And pain hustlers? Is this like another thing about the opioids? It is. <laughs> so you could go for the toilet for the entirety of this film. And, and I will say, I went in with very, very low expectations to it. And there are some definite good moments in it. But again, it is just another version of a story that we've actually heard told in about three or four different ways you'd in wonder, recent years Yeah, well. you'd wonder why they even got the money to do this, given that... Well, it's been when, done. When you see the cast, though, like that's that's where the money came from. Yeah. Well, you think Emily Blunt and Chris Evans ago, it has been done before. I could, you know, better use my time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when again, I, that, it's exactly what I thought. And even seeing the trailer, I was kind of like, I'm not sure if this is going to be my cup of tea. But then after watching it, I went, oh. That was rather enjoyable. Okay, all right, fair enough. And today, it's a, a, we're, it, these are both award winners, Linda. Yeah, so the National Off-Licence Association, NOFLA, um, they are a body of people all over Ireland who um, they arrange lobbying and all that for the off-licences, give them a voice. And every year they have their Gold Star Awards and a panel of wine experts have to taste wines blind in different categories. So these are two of the winners. So we have a white, the old world under 20 euro. So old world being from... Spain, Italy, Germany, France, for example. This is a German Riesling uh, under 20 euro and then a Spanish uh, Ribera del Duero under okay. 20 euro. So, All right. yeah. Okay, that's uh, something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and Halloween, the, the actress strike is affecting Halloween. Yes. Fanula, that's weird. Yeah, we're into the fourth month now. No sign of resolution with the actor strike. I think they met the last time on October 11th and talks broke down. But basically, the, the union, SAG-AFTRA, is asking its members not to dress up as like television characters or film characters from struck companies this Halloween as it would potentially constitute scabbing. So when I say that, I mean the likes of Barbie, K, 
campaign, like Wednesday Adams would probably another be another popular one. Oh, they're no. asking, like, they're asking members to I'm choose costumes. I'm terrible news for my daughter when I go home. <laughs> but that's what Ryan Reynolds said. Ryan Reynolds tweeted and he was like, I can't wait to call my daughter a scab. She needs to learn, you know. Um, they're basically advising to go for more generalised characters and figures. So, like, they've given some examples. Ghosts, zombies, spider, etc. But maybe not necessarily Spider-Man, you know. Yeah. So. But they did say comics and um, cartoon characters, which I thought was quite interesting because a lot of them are then also technically from struck yeah yeah it's weird but but, but, I mean if it's just you're going to somebody's house and you're dressed as Barbie or whatever because you happen to be an actor it doesn't that's not scabbing that's that's a bit dark well yeah I don't know it's a bit like they've and they've kind of said that it's more you know don't post photos if you are dressing up as some don't post photos on social media so then it's like okay but like so then can you dress up and then not post about it is that still yes you can there was a time when people would do that all the time I don't remember it personally. Yeah, no, I know you don't remember. And today is national, or I think that from five today, you're supposed to go off So you know your device for 24 hours. Yeah, good luck. It's called National <laughs> Fat <laughs> Chance Day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow, oh, she doesn't like the term Nepo baby. No, she Poor doesn't. Gwyneth. She did an interview with Bustle and they, they assumedly asked her about whether Apple was going to follow in her footsteps into acting. Uh, and she kind of went on a whole spiel then about the term Nepo Baby, which... Sorry, we should explain Apple, uh, not the corporate. She's a child Apple called is Apple. her daughter, yes, yes not yeah, the corporation. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the term Nepo Baby, I suppose, is nepotism child. Yeah. Like, uh, Gwyneth herself is the daughter of actor Blythe Danner and director-producer Bruce Paltrow. There'd be an argument there that she got a big, like, hand up into the industry that she is now in and very famous for, Oscar winner, need I remind you all. She's basically just said that, you know, kind of didn't indicate that Apple had any interest in being an actor, said she's a student at the minute, she just wants to be a kid and be at school and learn, but there's nothing wrong with doing or want to do what your parents do. Nobody rips on a kid who's like, I want to be a doctor like my dad and granddad, which again, I think nobody is, when this conversation comes up, nobody's suggesting that. I just think Mm. it's the lack of acknowledgement from all of these famous people who've gotten the leg up to acknowledge that they got a leg up. You know what I mean? Because there's no denying that some of these Nepo babies are actually good actors. I watched the the High Fidelity TV series recently with Zoe Kravitz. She's great. Like, she is great. And Mm. she just happens to have two famous parents. You know what I mean? But it's the lack of acknowledgement of you had access to all these resources and you were able to get in front of all these people because of their famous parents. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean uh, yeah, yeah. You go, oh, there's any Gravity's daughter that way, she'll have a look, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, also than, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, you know, she's a doctor's daughter. Yeah. Why should we look at her? Uh, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that, that's a fair point, but they would be touchy about it. Now, this is more interesting. Are we actually going to find out how many people are watching things on Netflix? According to Ted Sarandos, the Netflix co-CEO, yes. Now, he hasn't been very clear on actually when this is coming, but he was talking on an earnings call this week, their third quarter earning, earning calls, about how we're potentially heading towards a more transparent, a world where we're streaming data is more transparent because that's one of the issues, like especially with Netflix. And to be honest, Netflix is actually one of the only platforms where it'll come out and be like, this is the top 10. This is what people are watching. Mm. This is how many hours people watch. Whereas like you don't really get it with the other platforms. But he basically kind of also explained why there was uh, such initial secrecy around streaming data and said that initially uh, when the company started out, there was a promise with the company's creative partners um, to not, you know, because it was so new and because they would ultimately be compared to like traditional TV that it would be like comparing apples and oranges because mm-hmm. the data was so different and we didn't know who was going to tune into streaming and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah, he said there's going to be a move towards it, but he hasn't actually explained how, which is interesting because obviously the writers' strike just finished, the Writers Guild of America, and they they are one contract uh, in trying some data transparency into its agreement. So it's using the increasingly standard definition of a view. So a view will count as total hours viewed divided by the running time of a movie or season of a series to help determine a new success-based residual. But I know that's still a sticking issue with the actor strike as well. Like what constitute what constitutes a view, more transparent streaming data, stuff like that. Uh, in terms of like for revenue sharing Right, if you've just like watched that. the first five minutes of something and said that's rubbish uh, and turned it off Exactly Does that constitute yeah. a view? Yeah. yeah 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 It's interesting, all right Yeah The thing is like streamers could give absolutely accurate figures as to how many people are watching something in a way that terrestrial television could never do because they still rely on the system where there's a sample of a thousand families that no one knows you have this kind of weird box that records everything they watch which is just a sample yeah. rather than, mm-hmm. you know, an absolute figure. Yeah, especially with Nielsen in the States. I think it, that's not even technically fully accurate. That's the one that puts out like who, like when we hear all these figures about, oh, Suits is the most watched show mm. in the States right now for some reason, even though it finished however many <laughs> years ago. But they are only able to count it through the advertising. You know what I mean? Whereas with yeah. streaming, you have like, we have it, like we have the data there. I don't really, I, I get the argument that I suppose initially they're, there probably was a a want to not release it in case it affected other, you know, big actors signing up to do projects and stuff like that. But like, we're so far past that now. People are interested in streaming. People turn up for, mm. for movies and shows on streaming. So just release the data. Like. Uh, yeah, but the, uh, why do they want to release the data now? They want to release the data now because that data is of, you know, passing interest to ordinary billies, but it's of huge interest to advertisers. Yeah, well, that's, so the thing that's as well. what this means. This is the thin end of the wedge. Yeah, because they are having to change their model because everyone's yeah. being like, buy Netflix, I'm not paying for you anymore because I can't scab off my friend's account because yeah. you've eliminated <laughs> password sharing and stuff yeah. like that. So they're now having to advertisers being like, OK, this is actually how many people watch Bridgerton. You know, so yeah, that's, interesting. Yeah, that's the that's the, the end of things. So right, which one? Uh, one are we going to talk about first, Linda? We're going to kick off with the white and nice Riesling from Germany from Pfalz. So it's called Gabble, Gabble, Gabble. It's not called Gabble, Gabble. It's just called Gabble. Gabble. Okay. <laughs> and um, so we had a little taste already, Olivia, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Just to make sure it was okay for everybody. Had to make course. sure it was like not poisonous or anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. Right, just wait. Yeah, Olivia hasn't passed that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so again, this is just really, really fresh. And again, it's picked by a panel of like two pe- two judges have to taste up to like it could be twelve or fifteen wines in the lineup, all covered up, and then they select the top three. Um, so this is then in the top three, and this one gold when the second round of judges tasted it. So it's a national award. So I hope you like it. Okay, no, it's um, lovely. It's very zingy. Yeah, yeah, zingy, zesty, lovely, fresh lemon. That's what we agreed on, isn't it, Olivia? It is, yeah, Lemony, yeah. but it has a texture to it as well because this particular wine has spent time in old oak barrels, large oak barrels that kind of softens it, um, and um, you get the fresh apple and citrus kind of lemon fruit, but also a texture. Now, I personally wouldn't be able to watch a Netflix Bridgerton around like that just sitting there this on its own. For me, I would want to have a little bit of charcuterie or a nice Thai dish or something like that with this. Riesling for me kind of does need a bit of food and I think it's a brilliant dinner party wine. It's a real safe bet for appetisers mm. and things like that. Yeah. What do you think? I wonder will Netflix release figures on how many people are watching <laughs> with a charcuterie present? 
with the creme de la creme. They're the people we're, we're looking for. It's absolutely lovely, Linda. But it's yeah, got it's really, really, nice. really zingy yeah. acidity mm. and fresh. Can you yeah. imagine that with like a bit of fish and a little bit of lemon squeezed on top? Yeah, because mm. I was thinking it's a lot sharper than what I'm used to with Rieslings. I tend mm-hmm. to find them slightly more on the sweeter side of things. Mm, so yeah. it took me by surprise. And especially, even like actually when the aroma itself has a much stronger aroma as well. So that's a great point, Olivia, because this is a truck and meaning it's a dry style. So you can get Riesling from really sweet to really bone dry. It's a really versatile grape. So this is, again, only 11.5% alcohol, which a lot of people are looking for. The mm-hmm. red isn't 11.5%. It's a little bit higher. Uh, but uh, this is 11.5%. So I think it's a real crowd-pleasing kind of daytime drinking yeah. style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's G-A-B-E-L. G-A-B-E-L. Gabble, yes. Gabble. Somebody, 2022. Inevitably, releasing. somebody said, is Gabble Gabble named to go well with turkey with the Christmas coming up? <laughs> it probably uh, would go nice with turkey. Yeah, actually. Pork with an apple sauce. Would, actually, yes. citrus, yeah. Yeah. So it's under 20 euro, meaning it is 20 euro in the following wine shops. Some of these, Kelly's and Clontarf, Redmond's and Ranala, Chaudivan and Port Marnock, McHugh's, um, Kilbarrick and Malahide Road, Dundrum, and a lot of national off licenses throughout the country. Okay, fantastic stuff. Uh, mm. One of the families on our street we're a sampling family for what people, uh, for people who watched on the TV. The older brother used to tell us there was a camera on that little box and we were being watched to see if we were being good and the box would report it to our parents. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they did. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. These Astahe are murdering us. In the case of Anna Brown... Her family here on the west side have raised funds with an amount of about $2,000 to $5,000 for the arrest and conviction of the murderer. Molly Burkhart has hired a private investigator. Uh Uh-huh. When this money started coming, we should have known it came with something else because it's white man's money. Yeah. It's not what we were taught coming down Missouri. Arkansas and Kansas. What has come to our reservation that doesn't belong here and it's them? Mm -hmm. They're like buzzards circling our people. Pick us body clean. Leave nothing. That clip was a minute long, more or less, uh, constituting <laughs> less than half of 1% of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, so, Olivia, uh, what happens in the other 9,000 uh, minutes in, in this? So, uh, I, how long is it, actually? Three hours and 26 minutes. Oh, my God. Right. Okay. It is long. And I have to say, like, one of Scorsese's things about trying to justify the length is you can sit through three and a half hours of theatre and you can sit at home and watch five hours of an hour-long episodic series and I'm like there is a very key difference between both of those things A. A pause button for when you're at home and B. There's an interval in theatre for yeah. most shows. And most theatre shows don't last three and a half hours That actually. too. Yeah. So it, it is baffling that he's trying to use that justification Yes the cinematic experience does deserve as much respect as say theatre does but for a story like this yes there's a lot that you're trying to cram in but there were definite moments where you could have edited it down so that was actually a really big sticking point for me going in I was very much like oh this is going to be such a drag and after an hour so much had happened and I looked at my watch and it had only been an hour and I went wow okay this is what we're in for now so just just to prepare everybody for that (laughs) that's how I felt going in can you Um, pay attention for that amount of time like honestly yes and no I was kind of drifting in and out but there are kind of like lulls as well where there are moments where you can sort of switch off your brain um, well to a certain extent um, like little scenery shots or just a bit more not quite exposition but 
Mm. Like, not as key to the plot. Like, probably could have been edited out, let's put it that way. Um, To me, it definitely could have been an hour shorter. But the story is actually a really important one and actually led to the establishment of the FBI. So it was one that was a pretty big one in American history. But I can guarantee you most Americans probably don't even know the story. And I can not really guarantee, but having spoken to American family, they've never heard of even the people, the Osage people, who were actually um, a group of Native Americans who struck oil, uh, as you heard from the clip, and they ended up becoming the wealthiest people in the world overnight. Wow. Naturally, yeah. that brings a lot of attention to your community when you're so used to being like just like kept to yourselves. And white interlopers decided to come along and they were manipulating the people, they were marrying into the family, and some of them even resorted to murder just so they could get their hands on the money. And mm. that is the core story um, that we have here. It kind of follows uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. He marries an Osage uh, woman and as much as like he loves his wife, you know, there is this undertone of manipulation from his uncle, who's played by Robert De Niro. And I don't really want to spoil what happens next, yeah. but there's a lot of like kind of mystery to how involved is he in what's going on in the community. Mm. Well, given the history of, of the treatment of the United States towards Native Americans, obviously they let them keep the money and everybody left happily ever after. <laughs> totally, because yeah. um, there's actually a scene where they go to, they actually send a white man to Washington, D.C. in order to try and get some help with what's going on. Because, like, no one's doing anything. Like, the police aren't really doing anything at all either. Mm. And the guy who goes down, well, he's never seen or heard from again. Right. Okay. So even though he was white, because he was doing something to help them, he had to go. Mm. And like, that's the level that that they were looking at here. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a very complicated story, though. No, you'd think, no, no. The bones of it, I'm probably maybe simplifying it a little bit, but it, it is a very interesting and intricate story, the way that it's told. And you can't, you can follow it actually pretty well. Um, But it is just so long. And I think... Maybe if there'd been a real standout powerhouse performance that kind of caught your eye a little bit more, then maybe it wouldn't have felt as, I don't want to say monotonous, but monotonous a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just such, it is a powerful ensemble piece as opposed to, like, it, it's not really the Leonardo DiCaprio show. It's not really the Robert De Niro show. It is, like, all of them working together. So I'd say, like, if they get nominated for, say, the SAG Award for Best Ensemble, Outstanding Ensemble, I think is what it's called, um, I think that would probably be very warranted. I don't see them winning it. I think Oppenheimer would probably have the edge there. But it is a, it is a very powerful ensemble piece. Mm. But it, it kind of, to me, it loses the run of itself towards the latter act. I don't really want to say too much. It is a bit of a spoiler. But it, okay, to, me, it, to me, there was a jump the shark moment. And yeah. yeah oh I was dear. like, oh okay. dear, that took me out of it completely. Uh, is How long is the third act, given that it's a three and a half hour film? Uh, an hour and 20 minutes? No, no. It's, it's, um, you know, it's probably just more like the last sequence as opposed to act, shall we say. Right. So it's only maybe the last 10, 15 minutes. Okay. And... Robert De Niro, Scorsese, Robert De Niro is back to acting again. Yeah, and you know what? He he was very good. A lot like he out of all of them, I'd say he was probably the standout, mostly because it was very 
subtle, quiet, little winks and nods, but mm. still as impactful as, as you'd hope it would be. A um, little bit similar to, uh, sorry, to bring it back to Oppenheimer again, Robert De Niro, not Robert De Niro, we're talking about Robert De Niro, mm. um, Robert Denny Jr., um, who, you know, his role in that was also kind of like a bit more subdued, but then it had these like powerful standout moments. Whereas mm. with um, with the uncle character, he is just still kind of like sitting back and just watching everything happen. So I think it may go a little bit more under the radar, but then maybe because it's Robert De Niro, they yeah, might still course, throw yeah. a few award nominations his way. Um, but yeah, his, I'd say, might be the standout. Yeah. Everyone else, I was like, they were good, but I don't see them doing very well come award season. And is this one of these, it's in a cinema for five minutes, but you can really watch it on Netflix jobs? Well, actually, there. so it's an Apple TV All right, um, yeah. co-production. I think initially it was purely Paramount and then Paramount backed out once there had been some script changes and then Apple stepped in and funded the project. But it actually doesn't have a release date on Apple TV Plus yet. Or oh. at least I couldn't find one. If anyone else knows when it's coming out on Apple, do please text in. Um, but I couldn't find it anyway. So it is in cinemas today and there is apparently it will hit streaming. It just not yet. Yeah. That's interesting for a cinema, though, that it's three and a half hours. What time yeah. did they start at? That means the cinema probably has to close later than usual. Yeah. While and they're waiting the, for everybody to fall the, out. The screening of I was at started at half seven as well. So I was like, oh, my poor dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I sat through three and a half hour movie in a cinema, uh, my arse would be so numb and have to be carried home. Uh, bring back the intermission. There isn't an intermission. There isn't there? an intermission. And I remember we were talking about it, it was like uh, The Hateful Eight, I think it was with um, Tarantino. That, that was also quite long, but that had an interval and it really made a difference. So yeah. I, I would, I'm actually, there in my head, there is a point where they could have put an intermission in and chose not to. So I'm like, oh, maybe they should have done that. Yeah. Because they used to do that. Yeah. Dr. Zhivago, I don't know how, how long that movie is, but it's a very long movie, but they had an intermission halfway through. Yeah, um, I think even like, Gone with the Wind as well, for yeah. when they did like a repeat screening of it when I was a kid, had an interval still. Yeah. If you watch the film after saving it on your TV or tablet or whatever, you could watch it speed it up by six. And it would only take half an hour to get through it, says Richard the Thatcher. Do you know what? They do speak very slowly, so that might actually work. That could actually work. Uh, Glenn says, over three hours, 20 minutes for Martin Scorsese's latest, self-indulgent much. Just like the Irishman, I'm not indulging him. If Neil Jordan can tell the story of Michael Collins' War of Independence, Civil War in less than an hour, uh, this tale can be told in an hour 40. Get a grip, Hollywood, says Glenn. Well, the, I will say, like, as much as... Are those two stories comparable? <laughs> I'd say no, but, like, I'm, I do think this is probably one of Scorsese's better films of recent years. I'd actually forgotten that The Wolf of Wall Street was his, and but I mm. was always saying, I was like, I don't think he's done a great film since The Departed. Wolf of Wall Street, I do you think is good, but not as good as The Departed. So my statement does still stand, but um, it is probably one of his best ones since The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Uh, John and Kilkenny says, if people can sit through 25 minutes of Fair City rubbish, <laughs> you can sit through three and a half hours of a Scorsese masterpiece. <laughs> poor Fair City. Who mentioned them, John? I know. Oh no, I made that comparison, John. And you can see all these poor Fair City fans being beaten across the head told, go in not now just, and eat your vegetables now. Not this just is fans, a masterpiece. I used to be on Fair City. <laughs> <laughs> what? Whoa, hang on. <laughs> oh my God, it's your personal enemy. You used to be on Fair City? I was the barmaid in McCoy's for you two weren't. years. Okay. Sorry, I've never watched Fair City. I should have recognised you. (laughs) People rarely do. Yeah, and did you have many lines? Only the ones that they kind of fed me on the day. 
Sometimes. Okay. So sometimes yes and sometimes no. Okay, so but so does that mean sometimes you were yeah you were uh, um, you were an actor and sometimes you were just a, um, a kind featured. Of, so like yeah. I'd just be I'd be the one like walking by the camera with a tray of drinks. Or yeah, something but like that, that would that depend on how much they paid you then? Sure. Because if you're an extra <laughs> and you have no speaking parts, you're paid so much. But if you get something to say, you get more money. I'm yeah. I'm just nodding. You're just nodding. Okay. <laughs> but well, like when you're walking past somebody with a tray of beer, you you weren't like tempted to go, whose beer is this? <laughs> Improv. Yes. <laughs> yes. There was one one day when um, there was a very serious scene going on and mm. then something had happened kind of off camera and then myself and my fellow barman were really and truly trying not to like laugh out loud. <laughs> and when the episode actually aired, all you could see were my shoulders just going up and down in the background <laughs> where it just looks like I'm just shrugging at him constantly. But I was actually just stifling from bursting out laughing. And it, well, like you did it for two years. What happened then? Did they, did they bring you in and say we're moving on to a different barmaid or, or, or what happened? That, that is kind of how it's, how it's done. They do rotate um, oh. staff. So it wasn't, well, it wasn't two reflects, years. Real it, wasn't, life. it wasn't two years straight. It was yeah. like on and off kind of yeah. like for the we two shift years. work, obviously. Yeah, yeah, like as in a bar. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Glen Row once. <laughs> were you? Yeah, well, when I say in Glen Row, that's, that's stretching the term. <laughs> they did it, like they used to have these raffles in RTE where... Um, you could, you could, they, and and they'd have a raffle. It was for charity, like, but you could buy a, you could buy a, 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 an extra role in Fair City, or, or in you know, or in Glen Row. And um, so the show I was doing at the time, we sent somebody down on the slice by them. So then I rocked up on the day to. I'm in Glen Row now, and it was in a bar. So they put me way down the end of the bar. Uh, so you could, so I spent all my time scratching myself to kind of imply I was method acting to imply there was an outbreak of something in the bar. Uh, I didn't make the final cut, uh, I don't think. Uh, right, okay, so um, uh, we're back again to Taylor Feck and Swift. I'm getting sick of her now. But on but, the subject uh, of movies that are, well, yeah. this is nearly three hours long. This the is three hours tour. long. Yeah. And the whole thing about can you dance at it and like people seem to have, oh no, we all went and danced and it was all fantastic. What was your experience, Vanula? My screening was so dry. I was kind of disappointed. But I think, now I will say, I think it was the time I went because I went to a 7pm screening. So at that point, the children are presumably in bed. I wanted to be with the children up the front screaming, shouting. Nobody got up. Like, it was getting to a point where, because obviously, like, Taylor herself encouraged, I know obviously it's generally not how people behave in a cinema, but it's a concert Mm. film. Yeah. So Taylor herself even said on social media, you know, dancing encouraged, blah, 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 I'm paraphrasing. And I'd seen videos from other people's screenings of people being in that space between the front row of seats and the screen and people dancing and stuff like that. And I was seeing it kind of opposite ends of people being absolutely feral and insane and like, you know, women just having a nice collective experience, right? So I yeah. went, I was like, cannot wait for this. It was very dry. At one point, two people got up and kind of danced in their seats for one song and then sat back down. I felt like I had to kind of sing outside my mouth for the whole thing because I was like desperate to sing along, but nobody else really was. Um, but still an incredible feat of cinema and I would actively encourage anyone going to see it even if you don't like Taylor Swift. It's very good. Yeah, okay. But maybe not as enjoyable. So it didn't feel like going to a gig rather than it felt like watching a movie. Well, I think that's just specific to my experience because I saw, again, I saw other people who went to see it in cinemas that serve alcohol with other adults. The they Stella, all seem to be yeah, having a great time. Great, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it just depends what time and where you're going to see it. If you want that like true concert experience. Uh, the era tour is great crack everywhere but in Ireland Ireland is lame says one text. <laughs> oh my God. But did you, very cranky today. <laughs> but, but did not if it was a bit you know uh, if things are a bit staged 
Did it not depend upon one brave soul to stand up there and get everyone well, dancing? See, yes. And why wasn't it you? Yes, yeah. but yeah. I was co- relatively close as well. I was in those recliner chairs and we were... Because uh, oh, if I stood up, I would have been blocking other people's view. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. want to be that person either because then someone would have TikToked me being like, this woman ruined my Taylor Swift viewing experience. <laughs> yeah. So... Is that what would happen TikToked? You'd be TikToked yeah. rather than just complain to the management. Yeah. <laughs> that was that. That's the way they do that's it the now. That's the new verb, yeah. That's the new verb. <laughs> uh, uh, the on long movies, I'm old enough to remember the on the Goodfellas DVD, around halfway through, you had to bend down to the DVD uh, a player and switch the DVD around to watch the end <laughs> of the movie. Madness. Uh, someone else says, at least they get to watch a movie for three hour, 20 minutes, stuck in horrific traffic on Pier Street. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're not the only one there. Someone else points out that the book is uh, the, the, is based on uh, the book, uh, mm-hmm. but the same title written by David Gran, who's one of the best nonfiction writers working today. Worth checking out. Looking forward to the film. Happy to spend three and a half hours away from the roaring children, uh, says Pete. Uh, someone else says, Martin Scorsese's journey up his own backside is fully complete. He must be the most overrated living director. He's had two good movies in 25 years, Shutter Island and The Aviator. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. I actually liked The Aviator. Yeah, and no. yet his super fans hyperventilate all the other endless hours of crap he's produced in the interim. Time for the movie world to wake up. Wow. Oh, now that's a rant. I love that. That is a rant. Love that. I do love uh, Shutter Island. John in, uh, in, uh, says, uh, what's with these old fellas making extra long movies? Must be something to do with the looming shadow of mortality. <laughs> 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 movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Right, so let's move on to our uh, red wine of the day, Linda. Um, okay, so this is, again, as I said, the Old World Red uh, Wine Under 20 Euro Portilla, P-O-R-T-I-A. Crianza from Ribera del Duero. Um, velvety, silky, quite seductive, I think. Uh, Vanilla's shaking her. You're making eyes in her head. Oh my God. Get a room, lads. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like really co- quite layered and complex. This wine has a minimum of 12 months in American oak barrels and it kind of just adds more complexity to the wine. Mm. Um, what fruit are you getting? Kind of plum nearly. Mm-hmm. Mixed berries, a bit of damson, mm. a bit of black forest gado with a dashing of cream on top. Oh, you're Yum. making me hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it's quite smooth and silky and velvety. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Lovely. And I'm not actually a red wine drinker, so and I was surprised. really surprised yeah. how much I like this one. And yet yeah. you forced yourself. <laughs> oh, yes. I, yes. Twi- my arm was twisted behind <laughs> yes. my back. Well done. Uh, yeah, that is because it's kind of fruity at the top and then it's on the back of the... It is dry, but there's so much to it. Mm. Uh, for me, again, I could absolutely sit down watching not a three and a half hour movie, but a movie enjoying a glass of that chocolate with wine, red wine. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Lots of people are totally against that who are like proper into wine. But I think. Come Why? On, like, you mean I- normal chocolate or that kind of salty chocolate that well, you can get that you know, goes? Lots of people go for the darker chocolate with that bitter note. But um, yeah. lots of people just have popcorn and crisps and Chocolate. Yeah, like an, like an old bounty sort of thing a with it. Bounty? Oh, yeah. Oh, that might bring out the know, yeah. vanilla. Well, I, you know, that's after two or three glasses. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but again, when no this, one's looking. <laughs> this wine is available in good uh, independent wine shops that are members of Nofla. Um, so the Malloy Group, Gibneys and Malahide, McHugh's, Redmond's and Ranala, the Bintry, O'Donovan's and Cork, to name but a few. I keep wanting to say Mark Knopfler. Uh What's the strength? Um, what's the ABV on that? That's it. 
well, what you see for me, that tastes stronger actually. It does. T- well, yeah. eleven and a half to this. So yeah. what basically. It is a lot stronger, but it's well, well balanced. Nothing sticks out. So when it, when a wine sticks out with the alcohol, you get a burn at the back mm. of your throat. You're mm. not getting that. Yeah, you're getting yeah. the fruit. It is, in fact, 15%. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay. a sit-down wine. Yeah. <laughs> as in not a stand-up wine uh, is what it is. But it's well balanced. Yeah. Right? Yes, it is. It's absolutely lovely, Linda. Right. We'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is Pain Hustlers. Here's a clip. I will not give up on myself. I will not give up on my dreams. I will make my life count. You're going to get through this. It's who you are. I will make my life count. Only two years of high school. Well, I left to pursue a career in sales. Cut call, was it, like steak knives? Yeah, um, it was other kinds of knives, too. Mm-hmm. Give me a shot, please. Don't embarrass me. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Oh. Oh, it's... Pleasure is mine. It's commissions that get you into paradise. Get a doctor to prescribe your drug. You know what we bill on a full dose script? What? 40 grand. A year? A month. On some level, I knew it was bullshit. The long odds lottery ticket buried under a thousand rejections. And you gotta have the grit and the balls to reach down and scratch it. There's nothing so inspiring as sheer desperation. You're not gonna make 100K this year. It's going to be more like 600. Right. Uh, okay. That's uh, Pain Hustlers. Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Andy Garcia, Catherine O'Harmer. Wow. It's good. Uh, great cast. It is. And actually, you can see that each of them are having a lot of fun with the roles as well, because especially Chris Evans, like he is really trying to branch out and not just be the clean cut Captain America of the world anymore. Mm. He's trying to take on, I won't say grittier, but more kind of... Um, jerk roles. Yeah, he's a bit seedier, yeah. A little bit seedier, yeah. yes. And um, like he's just reveling in this. You can see that he's just having a blast. Emily Blunt as well. And like Catherine O'Hara, like, come on. She is just the, the golden child again. Like, we just absolutely adore her. Ever since her stint on, on Shit's Creek, mm. she anything that she does just turns to gold. Yeah. Uh, the film then is gold, is what you're saying? <laughs> Plated. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it look it's it's not going to set the world alight but it is actually an enjoyable just little farce kind of thing and it it, it is another again as we said earlier opioid based um film but it kind of takes a more humorous route with it but without taking away from the seriousness of what was actually happening to people mm. and i think that's such a difficult balance to find and yeah especially given that it's come in, come after Exactly. Documentary and drama that's been quite harrowing. Yeah, it, ha- it had to be something different to mm. attract this cast. And also like David Yates is, he's probably more well known nowadays for the Harry Potters, the Fantastic Beasts. Well, the less said about Fantastic Beasts, the better, let's just put it that way. Um, but this is kind of nearly like a return to form for him <laughs> as well. I'm waiting for the reaction to that last <laughs> comment now. <laughs> I think we know that most people are going to agree with me, especially uh, yeah. after the right. last one. The, the first one was great. The second one was, eh, third one, terrible. Mm. They pretty much just forgot about the Fantastic Beasts. Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> they should just change to the Wizarding World. Secrets of Dumbledore, something like that. Anyways, sidetracked. Um, but yes, like the film is kind of centres around Liza Drake. She is a down-on-a-look mum uh, trying to raise a daughter who... Basically, she also has her own um, health issues. So she's worried about, you know, her daughter's health. She's worried about like where they're going to live and all this. And she ends up running into this pharmaceutical rep who is kind of sweet talking her in her 
now former job because um, she gets the sack literally mm. <laughs> after talking to him. Um, and she basically turns around and she goes, come on, hire me. And he does. And between the pair of them, they end up kind of turning this corner with their company, trying to sell this drug. And it becomes this big, big thing um, until it isn't. Right. Okay. And the, the, uh, the, do they make any references to you know, the real world in the sense of, you know, are they, are they saying, you know, oxytocin or any, you know, are they referring to specific drugs here? Kind of, but also kind of not. Yeah. So it's... it's I, oxycontin, I, actually. I don't think oxytocin is something completely different. Yeah. Oxytocin is the yeah. good yeah. part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm going to be putting my chemistry degree to shame if I say I think that's where the opioid name sort of was nearly coming derived, from. Derived maybe? from was yeah. because it okay. kind of it stimulates that hormone. Okay. Someone else is going to correct me on that. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it, it does address it. And actually it has these kind of snippets where people are being interviewed about their participation in the scheme I'm doing quotes mm, yeah. air quotes that no one can see um, and even some of the patients who were taking the drug are kind of being interviewed as well so they do kind of ground it mm, in reality mm. like this is like in hindsight kind of thing so it's chronological but then it also has these little snippets of hindsight as well right okay. um, so the way then that they tackle you know the real life what happened to people I think was was very well done yeah and and the, but the the characters are selling this drug and are they kind of using it all means necessary to sell as much of it as possible not at first okay and that's kind of where the more serious turning point comes yeah. in which at first they were trying to do it as legitimately as they could and then things take a turn okay all right fair enough actually that sounds intriguing now is is, is this in cinemas or, or this is going to be in select cinemas from today and yeah. then it lands on netflix on the 27th okay all right and you have a chemistry degree i do yeah we're learning so much about it. you <laughs> olivia just keeps on giving uh, so, you can't do uh, and so lots, a, a, a chemistry degree from what you to what you're doing today mm-hmm. bit of a stretch yeah i literally when i finished up in college i couldn't even get an unpaid internship so i actually went and worked in guinness storehouse for a year became friends with people who owned a blog and i started writing for their blog okay and that's how it all started and and do you not miss the Thrilling world of chemistry. My, my husband is a scientist, so okay. I still get to hear like different things and kind of live vicariously through him, which is nice. Okay, that's good. And parental disappointment level. <laughs> <laughs> my when I handed my granny my thesis and she looked at it and it was all about like heavy metal poisons in the environment and things like that. Cool. And she read it and like just literally read the title. She goes, "I always thought I was going to have a song and dance girl or somewhere someone in the arts." <laughs> Traipsing through the bog, taking water samples, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> okay, well then it came good in the end, then, really. It did, yeah, it did. Oh, all right. Okay, that's uh, that's kind of sweet. Uh, right, so um, we're not a couple of things that aren't going to happen. We're not going to get a, a, an office reboot, and Daniel Radcliffe is not Wolverine, yeah, despite thank, his, his his muscles. Yeah, thank God we're not getting the office reboot. So this was, I think, a throwaway line that the creator Greg Daniels had said in an interview with Puck. So then a load of 
people picked it up. I think he was talking about maybe like if he were to do it, he'd love to explore kind of a wider, I hate using this expression because it's so dumb within the context of the office, but like a cinematic universe, you know, like exploring other stories <laughs> okay, in yes. that way. Right. About like dumb, dumb yeah. sentences to be saying out loud. But anyway, yeah. um, obviously everyone ran with this. And they were like, we're getting a reboot. This is so exciting. He's had to basically come out and say, uh, look, uh, he like he gets that fans still care about it a lot. But he said, when there's something to announce, like I will definitely announce it, but nothing is happening, which is good because like there's children out there or whatever, people who've only just watched Office for the first time, probably this year or last year, or probably more recently the pandemic, you know what mm. I mean? The real like lockdown times. It's way too soon for yeah, a reboot of that yeah, show. Yeah. And what I also didn't realise is, is whenever it is rebooted, it'll be, it would have been the 11th incarnation of uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's original show because it's been Genie. adapted for so many other countries. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, that's impressive. There you go. I should be said. And Daniel Radcliffe isn't going to be an expert. Yeah, but they, like all these rumours seem to be attached to the fact that he just got buff, essentially. Yeah. Um, so How buff t- has he got? Pretty buff. If anyone watches it, he's in this comedy series called Miracle Work- Workers, which I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen, but in the last episode of the most recent season, saw loads of places pick this up. He's like, he's basically topless at one point in the scene and he is ripped to all hell. Like he's just chicken and broccoli, I'd say. Is there some sort of scale day. we can use? Is there like a Brad Pitt of ripped off, you know, of riptedness or, or? Yeah, but, oh, yeah again, as Linda's point again, if you're going to compare him to, which probably isn't fair because he's a teenager when he's playing Harry Potter, but yeah. anyway, if you're comparing <laughs> to that to like, I don't know, I know. you know, yeah, Christian he, Bale. Dark Knight-esque. Puberty probably helps probably <laughs> yeah. in that regard. Well, anyway, he's getting more towards the Christian Bale Dark Knight end of the scale, I okay. would say, yeah. But he's basically said it's like, um, it's just media rumours that have dogged him. He's had to deny this a couple of times that he's not Wolverine and whatever upcoming Wolverine reboot. That's mad. Whenever we get altogether. it. So. Now, I am, I am actually intrigued by a, a TV adaptation of Lord of the Flies as long as I don't mess it up. Okay, interesting. As long uh, well, as it's just one series and you don't have Lord of the Flies, you know, Series 7. Well, you're in luck because I think it's supposed to only be a four-part BBC drama. Uh, it's been okay. written by Jack Thorne. Uh, it's the production company behind Sex Education and £10 Palms, which is not something I'm hugely familiar with. But they have a casting call out now for boys aged between 10 to 13. Uh, you don't have to have any prior uh, acting experience. They're going to be shooting in Australia in April 2024. Lots of good people behind this as well. The casting director is Nina Gold. She's worked on Game of Thrones and The Crown previously. Um, and then Thorne, who I mentioned uh, earlier, Jack Thorne, who's writing it, he uh, wrote the stage play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And he did the TV series of His Dark Materials, which I know went down very well. Yeah. Um, um, the Accident and probably more recently the Enola Holmes movies on Netflix. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how they change it given there's a character in the book who's called Piggy because yeah. he's a bit overweight. You know, will they <laughs> adjust things a oh, little yeah, bit? That's when, not, when that's not making for, it into uh, this reboot. Uh, for the modern age. Uh, very quickly, Linda, could you say the name of the red wine again? A few people wanted to know. Okay, I'm saying Portia, but it may be Portia. Right. Okay, so Crianza yeah, but it's spelled that way. Yeah. And P-O-R-T-I-A and... Um, it's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. and it's delicious. Crianza, Crianza. Well, thank you very much for that. Thanks to all of you. That was Fanula Jones, Linda Coogan and Olivia Fahey. Movies and booze on Moncrief. On News Talk.